Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Good to see you all, and welcome to the church. You brought the good weather with you. Excellent. I've got to congratulate the Welsh today. It was amazing, the Six Nations. Come on, the Welsh. I almost texted Rob and said, I've decided to become Anglo-Welsh. Uh, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, the Six Nations, amazing roller coaster of disappointment for the English. Um, anyway, let's reshape ourselves and get our minds on Christ this morning. So this morning we're continuing. This is week 11 in reshape. Really excited about this. Shaped through calling. This is a good one. I'm going to be looking forward to taking us through this this morning, both services. Um, shaped through calling. This is where the sizzle of God's uh, challenge in our life starts to really get into us. Um, so much of the series has been an inspiration already, and there's more to come, but Shaped Through Calling. Um, I almost called the title Shaped um, For Calling, but actually the shaping goes on as we are being called. It's an ongoing thing. You know, calling wasn't what you had 30 years ago, and that was my moment, or 10 years ago, or a year ago. Calling is a now present continuous activity. There's nowhere in Scripture that says your calling was, was one thing and, and that, that was it. That's the end of the story. Our calling is actually being in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Fellowship together and fellowship with Jesus Christ. So shaped through calling. Exciting topic. Now, one of my all-time favorite speakers is a guy called Owen McManus, who's been off the radar for a few years in some respects. Um, but here's an interesting thought that he brings God doesn't just call out the good, he calls out the hidden, the unknown that's inside of you. Now that's interesting, isn't it? God calls out the hidden and the unknown. The hidden and the unknown. There are probably lots of people in this service today who've got the hidden and the unknown that's waiting to be called out. In fact, if there, people are watching on Facebook Live this morning or listening to a podcast in due course, what is it that God is wanting to call out of you that is hidden and unknown at this point? You see, God knows everything. We don't. We're trying to figure it out from our place in a point in time, where you are right now. And some of you might be very, very frustrated. You might be absolutely caught in a situation where you are frustrated. You're frustrated by relationship pressures. You're frustrated by circumstantial situations, your, your work situation, your sense of all these years I've been preparing myself for something and it's never happened. Anyone ever felt like that? That you, you feel like you've worked hard and what you dreamed of just hasn't happened. Well, we're going to try and talk into that this morning. God doesn't just call out the good, he calls out the hidden, the unknown that's inside every one of us. Let's start from a position of clarity that calling is, is God's work in our life the minute, uh, in fact, before we give our lives to him. So there's a calling at a level that is um, the generic, you are called by God. In fact, all of us are called. If you read scripture, you'll know that everyone who follows Jesus Christ and makes Jesus your Lord and Savior, you have been called to that 
position. You've been called into that. You've been called into living a good life. You've been called into living a godly life. You've been called into living a life of faith and following. You've been called into something that you weren't in before. There is a calling that takes place at salvation. And maybe you're in the service today or online and you are not sure about whether or not you know Jesus Christ. But God is calling you. He calls us way before we ever respond. And that's been my experience and the experience of many. And I like this, these verses in Ephesians 4 where it says that where Paul, uh, writing to the Ephesians, makes a few points about calling. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You see, many of us come up short and we compromise and we allow little things of the world to come in on that calling. But Paul is challenging us to live a life worthy of our calling. Because we can take calling for granted. Because the world's activities, the pressures, all that stuff that you know about, the very thing that, that kept you up late last night, or the thing that's kept you up in this last week, the thing that's made you restless, the thing that stopped you sleeping, those things that that start to invade your relationship with God. Paul challenges us, says, uh, live a life worthy of your calling. It's a reminder. It's not really a rebuke. I, you know, you might take it as a rebuke. And maybe if you are being too casual, it is a rebuke. Maybe if you are being way too casual, you've prioritized other things before God himself, before your relationship with Christ. If you prioritize another human being before your relationship with God, you are not living right. Did you know that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. You are not the number one, and nor is your husband or your wife. It's God himself. Everything else has to fall into the pattern of relationship that God sets. Um, live a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by, not your wife, not by your husband, not by your best friend, not by the guy at work, the person you used to go to school with, you've been called by who? By God. You've been called by God. You're living a life given by God and called by God. So you need to live it in a worthy way. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. That's the verse. You know, the one and other verses that we kicked off this whole series of reshape about the, the unity and all the dynamics of doing life as God's church who love one another, um, it's important. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. When we shoot off a, a, a tangent and get frustrated and chuck things out of our life, you know, when people start bad-mouthing and kicking off about other people, that doesn't sound like being patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults. It happens at every level in relationship. At every level. Now, it's interesting because when we're called, we think, ah, in our, perhaps our not-so-clear understanding, we, we expect, well, God's called me, therefore he will give me the coordinates of every step of my life. He will be my personal tom-tom, and he can be a voice of my own choosing. I can choose an American voice. I can choose a you know, lady's voice, a man's voice, maybe some weird monster voice, whatever you... But, but, you know, sometimes we are just so keen for God to map out our coordinates that when the coordinates don't appear to be there, when the postcode hasn't been given to you, you somehow feel that God's not there anymore. But that's not what calling is about. 
Calling is having a godly response to a now presence and voice of God in our life. That's what calling is. It's knowing that even if you don't know what that next step is, that you're walking in humility and fear before God. You're walking in the right kind of relationship with God. It's not having all the coordinates mapped. And in fact, you might be finding yourself going on a detour right now. Maybe you've been detoured by something. Maybe you've there's a crash up ahead and your own personal sat-nav is taking you down a strange route. Well, calling is about really putting Jesus Christ first. It's God as our, as some would say, our true north, getting our orientation around that relationship. If that's good, let me tell you, everything else will fall into place. If everything else is not falling into place, then I would humbly suggest that God is not your focal point, that something else in your life has taken your coordinates, and that's what you're mapping towards. There's something, an agenda, something, some problem, some situation. We're called to live authentically, uh, to live in godliness and to live in unity. But what we do know about God's calling is he always disrupts us. (laughs) He always will. He's always going to disrupt your life. His calling is not one of just chill out, kick back, Listen to the music. His call is always stepping into something that's going to unsettle us. It will do. He'll unsettle us one way or another. It will disrupt us. God will cause us to be frustrated. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we respond in our hearts negatively, God will just say, okay, well, when you're ready, then we'll talk again. But actually, sometimes we just get frustrated and we go down a route. And, uh, and actually, God knows all about it. He's hearing everything. He, he's, that's what amazes me. He still loves you, Deborah. <laughs> he still loves you despite all that stuff that's going on inside your head. Our little head that didn't create a lot, but a lot of problems most of the time. Not you, Deborah. I'm not, being, I'm not talking. That's not fair, is it? No. It's quite secure. Um, but no, you see, in our, between those two ears, we can mess up our whole world <laughs> in the way we think, in the way we do the stuff we do. And we get so frustrated, we define God by our definition. And, and God is saying, come on, just know that your calling is secure and live worthy. And if we've got that starting point, a lot of good things can happen. So we're going to explore that calling dynamic this morning. God's purpose, I'll put this to you, God's purpose will never be seen in my life. The key word is seen in my life without me hearing God's call in my life. Right? You have got to see what God is doing. You've got to see that God is in there. You've got to. You know, in the storm, Jesus was still in the boat, but the disciples didn't see him. Well, in fact, they did see him eventually. And then they said, what's he doing sleeping in the storm? So they're seeing the wrong dynamic of God. They weren't seeing the God who could just calm the storm. And most of us are going through storms or do go through storms. You might be in a storm right now and you're not seeing God in your storm, but he's there. And he might be just chilled out waiting for you to get him involved. But you're not going to sink. You're not going to go under. It's going to be okay. And maybe you're here today and you just want to hear those words, I hope it's going to be okay. And let me just tell you this, that God says, it's going to be okay because I'm with you and nobody can take me away from you. Isn't that good to know? God's purpose will never be seen in my life without me hearing God's call in my life. So why is calling so important? I'm just going to reflect on some scriptures in the, the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. 
Why calling? Well, think about the word rare for a moment. Think, what's rare in my life? What's rare in the situations? What's missing? Where is the gap? Where, where is there a void? See, God's very good at going where there is nothing. He's the God who created everything out of nothing. So God is the expert at working where there is nothing right now. And God is the master of calling us to work where there is a gap, where, there is, where things are rare, where, where, it's not, uh, where God isn't necessarily present. So why is calling important? Well, firstly, let's read this in 1 Samuel 3. I'm going to step us through a few verses in Samuel and look at some other scriptures. But this is a story about this young boy, and a kind of 12-year-old intern, uh, but residential, living in a temple with Eli. Now, the young man Saul was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare. Do you get it? It was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. This is a fascinating thread of scripture here. You are never too old for God to use you, let me tell you that. Age is not a factor. Right, You are never too old. In fact, Samuel is 12 and Eli is a whole lot older. But God is about to do something because in society, something that was rare was about to change. God was focusing on what is rare. There's a missing piece. And God is going to use Samuel and Eli to fill that space. He's going to do it. Samuel doesn't know it and Eli doesn't know it. And you don't know it either. You don't know what God's calling in your life is going to produce until by faith you step into that. But how do we do it? What's my calling? Your calling is going to be where something needs to change. Something needs to change. Now, we're called to to have good marriages. We're called to look after our kids. We're called to, to work appropriately. We're called to live godly lives. But there's also a profound call in our life to change circumstances through our very presence because God is in us. And that's what God is going to work with us and through us on. So some key verses here. Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. In some versions, it says served. Samuel served. Now, you don't know this, but that first verse actually saved my leadership journey at a point many years ago. And as I was preparing for today, I remembered back. I was reading it in one version. I remembered it in the version where God really stepped in and saved me in a leadership place in spiritual Christian leadership, where I felt so frustrated because I felt like my whole life was just being wasted because of the frustrations of having to keep walking a journey that God was leading me on. And yet there were things that I could see should happen and change. And yet somehow I was just such a, in such a frustrated place. I felt like just saying, I've had enough of this. I've followed you, God. I've, I've heard your call. I've come out of the commercial marketplace. Uh, and that was unique to me in that situation. That was something God did. I said, why, God, did you bring me into this situation? 
Couldn't you have got somebody else to do this instead of me? And I was frustrated. Have you ever been there? Or am I just the only one who finds myself sometimes? Uh, are you guys all in really great places? And, and you know what it's like to be absolutely on cloud nine. And, have you ever been in a place where, where you just think, what on earth am I doing right now? And that's how I felt. And I remember, I can tell you where I was sitting. I was sitting in my lounge at the back of the house, sitting in a corner on a leather chair, frustrated, having my devotional time and praying, thinking, God, what is it you're going to do now? How are you going to speak to me? And I popped open First Samuel 3. And I read the first line. Now, the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. In fact, it says in other translation language like he was serving God's purpose while, while serving Eli, a language like that. And I realized in a moment I got something from God. He spoke to me straight away. It was, you are here serving me by doing the things I need you to do. And it doesn't always land the way you want it to. That's the reality. It doesn't. Now, this young boy, Samuel, was in the environment, and I don't think at the age of 12, he fully knew what was going on around him. He was a young boy. Boys of 12 don't have a big worldview. They have a very small worldview. But there was some mess going on in that society. And it says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Um, now, Eli was getting old, and um, he was ignoring things that he shouldn't ignore. Leaders that ignore stuff, pay a price, let me tell you. Eli was ignoring Phineas and Hophni. We'll come on to them in a few minutes. But he was ignoring things that were wrong in that, in that season of that history of Israel. But it says the lamp of God has not yet gone out. You see, here's another reflection. Samuel was actually living in the very same place where God's presence was. He was living there. Do you get this? He was living in the temple. He was, right, he was as close to God as a 12-year-old boy could be without dying. You know, there's the whole rules about not being too close. So he was in God's, if you like, presence, but had not experienced God. Maybe you are, are someone who is, has been in environments where God is, and you just don't feel like you've experienced him. And people have, are like that all the time. And, and you will come across people all the time. There will be people in the service today. There are people right now in the service that are, are in very close proximity to God, and yet they've not had an experience of God. And we'll see that as we go forward. You see, God's calling is amazing. You don't need to sort it out. He will sort it out. He just says, get close to me and follow me, and then you will be going through the reshaping of your calling. But we try and define our own callings, and we put bold statements up about this is what God is going to do because this is what I want to do. I'm not sure that's entirely correct in terms of calling because God will navigate you to a place of humility and he will break down your strengths and he will cause you to reflect on your weaknesses so that you know what? You know that God himself is where we should focus, not ourselves. So if we've got agendas going on, then is that God's calling? I would question it big time. So he was serving. Samuel served. Another reflection as we read forward in these verses. God reveals when he is reshaping us in our calling, he will take us into situations where things are rare. In other words, where there's a gap, where something needs to be addressed. But also God will reveal. It says in verse 4 of 1 Samuel 3, Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, Here I am. And 
where did Samuel go? He ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call you, lie down again. So he went and lay down, verse 6. And the Lord called again Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call my son, lie down again. Verse 7, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. You see what I mean? I said this a few minutes ago, didn't I? You can be in God's presence and not know the Lord. And there are people who come in and out of church life who are coming into God's presence because where two or three are gathered there, he is in the midst. And yet they don't know the Lord. There is a big difference between being in the presence of God and actually knowing him. And that's where the calling question, God has got to reveal something in that situation. He's got to. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. There has to be some degree of revelation about who God is for each one of us, for us to really step into that calling appropriately. Now we can reflect on Hophni and Phinehas. Right? Eli was ignoring the fact that Hophni and Phinehas were helping themselves to the, the food offerings the, the animal offerings and eating the choice bits and choosing. They were breaking God's law. And these guys were working closely to Eli. In fact, it was worse than that. They were, they, it, the Bible, I think, describes it as, as just wicked and outrageous what these guys were doing. They were sleeping with the girls who were coming to the temple to help serve in the temple. And Eli was ignoring that. Boy, God's not going to sit back. You wonder why God wasn't speaking. It wasn't clear to hear. And, and, you know, in that situation, what's going on? So you've got this young boy, 12, and age isn't really the issue. This is more about the principles. But he was confused. He was confused because he didn't know who God was, really. He didn't know the Lord. And he hadn't found himself in a place where he understood. He was confused. Who's calling me? I was talking to Rob this week in the office about this message. And he came up with a brilliant point. And it's a great point. You know, so often God will speak to us through the people we know and we don't realize it's God speaking. Let me put it another way. So often God will speak and it sounds like someone we know. That's more correct, actually. So often God will speak and it sounds just like someone we know. But God may well indeed speak through people we know, but we've got to be really careful here because how God speaks and who he speaks through is really important. We've got to understand it. We've got to test it. We've got to check it. In this case, when God spoke to Samuel, he thought it was Eli and he ran to Eli. Now, some people, when God speaks to you, you will go to somebody else and you'll attach themselves to them and they will allow you to do that. Now, to his credit, in this case, Eli didn't. He realized that he needs to, he needs to think about this and he aimed Samuel away from him and said, it's not me. It's not me. And the extraordinary situation here is is that sometimes when we reflect on life, there are some who will just say, no, no, yeah, come to me. There'll be some that will draw you to themselves. Eli didn't. He pushed Samuel away. So there was uncertainty in Samuel's mind. He wasn't clear. Why? Because he just didn't know the voice of God. He didn't know God's voice. He didn't, he'd not had it revealed to him. 
there's a verse in Romans, which is quite interesting, verse 11. Gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Interesting, you might want to look into that, maybe in your life groups this week. God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. What does that mean? You see, God is gifting us and he's calling us and he won't take away those things easily. In fact, it says he will never be withdrawn. Why? Because God is already preparing us to walk through the very things that we need to to walk through. But he needs to be revealed to us. Why is calling important? Because it needs a reply or a response. The whole point of calling is is the response or the reply. So 1 Samuel 3, 8 to 10. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. Again, Samuel thought that voice that he was hearing was Eli. But it was God speaking. And it needed to be tested. Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. Verse 9, so he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And verse 10, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. That made me think about times in the Bible when we read about others being called. And there's a pattern here about how God calls people in Scripture. When he spoke to Moses, Moses had to reply and say, here I am. In fact, he did. You read it at the burning bush. Here I am. Moses replied. And Elijah, when he heard the voice of God speaking, um, said the same thing. Whom should I send as a messenger to this people, God said. Who will go for us, the scriptures say. And Elijah responded, here I am, send me. So the response is really important. If I say, let's practice something. Let's have a little bit of fun for a moment. Let's have a bit of fun. Let me think, who shall I call onto the platform right now? Who shall I call? I'm just going to look around the service. Who shall I call? People are all looking down. They don't want to. Uh, okay. Okay, Alex, come on up to the platform. Now, you've all chuckled. Why have you all chuckled? Well, because you didn't want to get called up here, did you? That's it. So, Alex, you can go sit down. <laughs> right. Simple, simple point, but there's a difference between a call and a reply or a response. If the call will cause your hearts to go and you will start to panic. What's he going to call me on the stage for? If I called you, would you feel comfortable being pulled out in front? You see, in, in the call and the reply, there are things going on in us. You may hear the call and be cool with it, but how you reply and when you reply and the way you reply is a different conversation altogether. There's a, there's a delay between the call and the reply. There's a delay. There's, there's something that goes on in us, this kind of what, what's going to happen next. There's an unknown moment. Just for a moment, most of you in the room thought, what's he going to do? There was a moment, and that moment of uncertainty is fine. That's the way we're made. But God needs us to reply and to respond, to say, here I am. Now, you saw earlier that unusual teaser that was, uh, and you thought, oh, the sound's gone. <laughs> um, it's not. Love is, is our Easter campaign 2019. And we're going to launch a survey um, into our community through, our, through the church. And we did something similar last year. And it was a great opportunity to start to ask questions of people in, 
the community about what they think about love. And Easter is kind of God's ultimate demonstration of his love that he gave us Jesus Christ and, and he died for us. But the community we're in doesn't get that. They don't understand that that is God's love fully. They just, we don't know. We just, it's just something that's in people's awareness. But we're going to draw out their understanding of what love is or, or get them to think about it from a Christian perspective with a simple tool. We're going to produce an online survey and, a, and some, you know, we did it last year. We, we want people to think about what love is. Why are we doing this? We are calling into people's lives to make a, a reflection on who God is. That's what we're going to do at Easter. And we are deliberately creating a voice that's going to ask questions into people's situations. We're going to call out of people their thoughts. We're going to call out of them. We're going to use the series at Easter as a way of reaching people to, to ask the difficult questions about about. Well, these are actually really simple questions. What, where is their pain in this whole subject of love? We're going to do it deliberately. Why? Because we know God's call is for them. And they may be stuck somewhere, and God wants to call people in our community to himself, and he's going to use us for it. And that's what we're going to do. So calling demands a reply, and calling is different to response. We just had the illustration. I'm just going to flip into the New Testament for a moment here and look at Matthew 4. 18 to 20, the calling of the first disciples. Because Jesus did this in a very specific way. He said, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. You see, Calling, God's calling is amazing because God's calling is wide open, the whosoever will. His broad calling is wide open. And our familiarity with God's calling can cause us to sit back and we can either be a quick responder or we can be a kind of laid back responder. And many are laid back because God's grace is so immense. He just says, I'm calling I'm calling, I'm calling. I'm drawing you to myself. His call is big. It is wide. It is to everybody. It is disruptive. It causes us to change what we're currently doing. It causes us to think about why we do what we do. We might be doing the right thing, but we have the wrong focus. In the case of Peter and Andrew, they were both fishermen. They were doing the right thing, but Jesus wanted to change their focus. He wanted to use what they understood and turn that into their calling, to change their focus. It's wide open, you know. God's call to everybody is so wide open. The whosoever will. You may have had a row this morning with your nearest and dearest. You may be in massive conflict with your husband or your wife right now. You may be right on the edge of a major disaster, or in fact, you may have caused one. But you might have solved someone's problem. You may be the cause of someone's problem, and you might be the solution to someone's problem. You might be the, the trigger of pain or the reliever of pain. You may be a criminal, or you may, may be a saint. But whatever your pattern of life, the calling still counts for you and for me. You may have had a terrible background, and you may have lived a wonderful background. 
the call is still the same. It's big and wide and open to all. You may have struggled with addictions, with alcohol, with drugs, with abusive behaviors. And you may not have done, but the call is the same. And God's grace is the same. Maybe you struggle with mental health issues or maybe you feel, well, I'm completely of sound mind. But God's call is the same. His call is open and His grace is enormous. It's the whosoever will. The problem is people don't respond. Or they respond when they're ready. Or they, the response is always our choice. God does His work to bring the call. But then we have to choose to respond and accept His love. And as we respond in no matter what the situation is. Maybe you're under massive work pressure right now. Maybe you're not. Whatever the situation, the call is still the same, that God is wanting to draw you to himself to lead us and to guide us. Come follow me and I will show you. You see, the reshaping is through the calling. You don't become what you think you need to become before you respond to the call. You just have to follow and respond. I will show you. That's God's problem. That's God's challenge. That's God's responsibility to show us and to show him in this case, or this, these guys, Peter and Andrew, to fish for people. And what did they do? They left their nets at once and followed. What did they do? They, they just left everything. They laid down something. The call requires us to lay down something the things we might be familiar with, the things that actually are our source in life, to be willing to lay those things down. They dropped their nets and followed straight away. They responded quickly. And in our response, God's going to do the big ask. There's going to be a big ask there. It's the change that needs to happen. It's not business as usual. It's a change. We become familiar with God's call. We become familiar with who God is. But we don't sometimes face the reality that we have to drop certain things and be willing to change and become dependent on him. You know, it's interesting that, that Peter, as time goes on, you know, in John 21, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Peter and a few of the disciples decide to go out fishing overnight. And as they go out fishing, it says they fished all night and they caught nothing. You see, you will use what you've worked on in the past and God will use what you've done in the past and build on it. But we have to be willing to be shaped by him through calling. And what happened when they fished all night? They caught nothing. There was something built into Peter to respond when Jesus called. There was something, that responsiveness was there. And as they came in after a night of fishing and catching nothing, who did they see? They didn't even realize who they'd seen. But Jesus at dawn is on the Sea of Galilee, on the edge of the sea. And he says, go back out and cast your nets on the other side. And they caught a bumper harvest of fish. What an incredible thing. God will speak into every situation if we're willing to follow and be shaped by him. And then, of course, he cooks them breakfast. So they go and catch it. He cooks it. The parallel is there of our own journey and our own life that God wants to, to lead us constantly. In this case, 153, I love it. In the scripture, it says large fish. 153 large fish. I like it. It, it. it doesn't settle with just fish. They're not little sprats and minnows. 153 large fish. 
Big fish. Catch some big fish. You'd like to catch some big fish. <laughs> Interesting parallel. God sees in us what we don't see in ourselves. He sees that when he speaks and we respond, that something of his kingdom will take place. Flow into your destiny. I love this from T.D. Jakes. He said this in a, in a statement once. Flow into your destiny rather than sweating in your history. I like that. You can sweat in your history all day long trying to create your program, your plan, making good your situation. But actually by hearing God speak, by hearing Jesus, the catch becomes yours. You flow into your destiny rather than sweating in your history. What an incredible thought. And so coming to our conclusion then, why is being shaped through calling important? Because God begins to reign. God reigns when that happens. God reigns. God begins to reign. If you read 1 Samuel 4 verse 1, something happens. God speaks to Samuel. What, did, what was his call all about? He spoke to him. He told him what was going wrong in the nation. He told him what was going wrong. He just told Samuel information. He revealed information to Samuel. But then Samuel learned a lesson. He realized that he needed to be close to God and hear his voice. He was no longer confused with Eli, he began, he began to hear the voice of God. He started to understand for himself. And at the back end of 1 Samuel 3, it says that his reputation grew and grew and, and people started to come for him and, and he was able to speak to God and hear God speak. And he became someone that changed and influenced so many. And it says, it's incredible, just flipping into that first one, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Do you remember when we read at the beginning of chapter 3, it says that the word of the Lord was rare. Now that it's making the statement, the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Well, God had said he was going to deal with the sin of Eli and his sons. They all died. The sons were killed in, in a battle. And Eli, when he heard the news on the same day, fell backwards on his chair and broke his neck and died. And others in the family also died. But it's amazing uh, what happened to Samuel in his life? What happened to him? Well, God used him as a pivot point for a whole nation. He used Samuel's willingness to serve as the trigger for everything he wanted to do in that nation. And so he transitioned a nation, really, by his obedience. So Samuel learned to hear God and to respond. It's interesting that two books are written with Samuel's name in them, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Did you know 2 Samuel? Um, it's, just, it's just extraordinary that God, in his amazing wisdom, doesn't even mention Samuel in his second book. If you look for his name, it doesn't appear in 2 Samuel. So two books. Samuel learned to hear God and to respond. For many of us, it's too costly. It costs too much to be willing to hear God and to respond when God speaks. But Samuel learned that responding when God speaks is important, not to stay stuck in that pattern of behavior. Samuel served, and what did he do? God saw his servant heart, and he not only was the last judge of Israel, he was a priest. He was one of the most amazing prophets. Hebrews 11 talks about the obedience of Samuel as a prophet. He became a counselor. You know what? Even, even when he died, the only mention of Samuel, well, the only mention of a ghost in the Bible was Samuel called up through a medium after he died. Why was that? Because Samuel saw the transition of two kings, Saul and then David. And God spoke to Samuel 
and said, you remember when Jesse brought all his sons out? And it was God who spoke to Samuel and said, God doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside. You see, God trusted Samuel with the rarity of his own words. He trusted Samuel with the destiny of a nation and he navigated it through. What could God do to you and me as we are reshaped through our calling? Let's not be satisfied with what we currently do. Let's be dissatisfied. Let's recognize that God will make us restless and uncomfortable because there's something new he wants to do. Worship team, if you could join me. God is calling you and me to something that could change a nation. We've got to live a godly life. We've got to be good husbands and wives, family members, friends. We've got to live in unity. But there's calling on us, no matter what your journey and and the challenges you've faced. If God could do it with Peter and Andrew and James and John, those early disciples. If God could do it with Samuel, who was separated from his parents as a young boy, lived around the presence of God but didn't know it. What could God do when we choose to hear God speak? And, and respond when he speaks. It's amazing. I, I think there's calling all over this room, by the way. I think you're sitting here thinking, well, could that apply to me? I think the answer is yes. You've got one life, and I've got one life, and the clock is ticking. You want your life to count for something. I think we've got to be willing to drop the nets and to respond. So let's stand. I'm going to pray. I believe in this next season as a church, that God is going to reveal calling. You don't need to define your calling. And if you are defining your calling, you're probably not doing what God's calling is, can I tell you? Because God will do the calling and He will shape you through the calling. Try not to be holding on to too much that is predefined by yourselves, by ourselves, by myself. Realise it doesn't matter where you come from, it's where you're going to doesn't matter the mess that you may have caused in the past. It's the journey ahead of you that God is wanting to shape. We're shaped through this calling. And God has got a huge calling on so many in this room. Lord, I just pray now for this church, Lord, for our meeting. Thank you, God, for your voice. Lord, sometimes we don't hear your voice. We don't know your voice. But God, as we begin to respond to your call, we start to understand your real voice. God, help us to be people who hear your voice and respond. And Lord, help us to be willing to drop nets. Help us to be willing to see you. Help us to be willing to know you. Lord, help us to be people who are not relying on the the man we see, but the man we don't see. Help us, Lord, to be people who are courageous and bold. Help us, Lord, not to live in fear. Help us, Lord, to be willing to change. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a song now. I want you to reflect on that and we'll praise God. What's our final song? Oceans. Great song. Let's throw our hearts into this and I'll pray for us at the end. But let's think about how God has challenged us this morning. Amen. Great.